Hockey Nation, everyone. I'm your host, Brandon Owens, and I am joined by Will Seiler from UCA. He is a football player that just finished his last season. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Last, one. last season at UCA, and he was on our last episode, so welcome back, Will. But we have the host of Tubbs at the Club. It is an Idaho University of Idaho podcast. We have Mr. Chris Hammond here. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing awesome. I'm excited to finally get to talk some football outside of the Western United States. So this this should be fun. Yeah, you actually, um, you and I have been um, messaging each other back and forth for a while. And you're very high on our Gamecocks, aren't you? I am. I mean, uh, I, I think even going into the fall season, I was pretty confident. And then... Uh, obviously, you guys have probably the best fall out of any team. So, uh, Gamecocks are riding high, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into it. But uh, good positioning to take back the old uh, OVC crown one last time before you're on the outs. Absolutely. And that is the main gist of this podcast is we just uh, – announced that we were moving from the OVC to the A-Sun because the A-Sun is now going to sponsor football and there was just a press conference yesterday that kind of cleared some things up so we'll hit that later on in the episode but right now we're going to touch on basketball, softball, and baseball. I'm going to run through these real quick, just update everybody and then we'll get into the juicy stuff. All right, so first up is men's basketball. They are 15-8 and eight overall, 11-6 and six in the OVC, and they right now sit fourth in the OVC. So should the OVC tournament, if it started like tomorrow, they would have a first-round bye, and they would be in the tournament. Um, last week, they lost to Belmont 63-59 and beat Tennessee State 77-76. Uh, this week, and this week for JSU Sports overall is just absolutely crazy. And you'll hear why. This week we have Murray State on Thursday night at 7.30. Tip-off is at 7.30. And then we have Austin P on Saturday, and that tips off at 4. So our men's and women's basketball teams are home this week, so be sure if you are going to Jacksonville this weekend to check out our men's basketball team. Now for the women's, they are 14-7 and seven overall, 11-6 and six in the OVC, and they also sit fourth in the OVC. So they are in the same situation as the men's team. Last week they had three games, well actually two games last week and one this past Monday. They played Belmont last week, lost 54-53. to 53. They beat Tennessee State 67-61, and they played SIUE on Monday night and beat them 61-47. to 47. This week, they also host Murray State on Thursday night, but tip-off is at 4.30, and they also host Austin P on Saturday, and it tips off at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So, again, if you're in Jacksonville this weekend, there's plenty of sports to check out, so be sure to go and check out our men's basketball team, or men's and women's basketball team. Now, on to softball. We have had a rocky start. We have not won a game yet. We are 0-5 overall. Our first few games were in the University of Louisiana-Monroe best on the Bayou, and we've had to play 
University of Louisiana Monroe, and we lost in eight innings, seven to six. And then our other games against Arkansas, Louisiana Tech, and Lipscomb were canceled. Then, a week later, we went to UAB, the UAB Green and Gold Tournament, and we played Southeast Louisiana and lost 2-1. to one. And then we played Louisiana and lost 8-2. to two. Just recently, we played Sanford in a two-game series, and we lost both of those games, the first one being 5-4. to and then the other one being 5-2. to two. This week, we have a series against Southern Miss. Friday's game is, uh, first pitch will be at 6. And then Saturday, we have a doubleheader, the first game being, uh, with the first pitch being at 1, and then the second game, the first pitch being at 3. All right, on to baseball. We are 1-3 overall. We have played one OVC team, but the website did not count that game as a conference game, so I don't know if it does count or not. But we are 0-1 in OVC play. Our first game, we played Southern Illinois and lost 8-7. Second game, we played Alabama State, beat, beat the Hornets 5-3. The next game, we played Tennessee Tech, lost 5-4. And then our most recent game was against Alabama, and, lo and we lost 5-2. This week, we have a series against Valpo. And first pitch on Friday is at 4. And then Saturday we have a doubleheader. First game on Saturday, first pitch is at 1. And then the second game, first pitch is at 4. So as well as football, which is sat, uh, su Sunday and it kicks off at 3, there's plenty of athletic events for you Jacksonville State fans to pick and choose from to go. So from Thursday to Sunday, there's we have plenty of games. Should be an exciting week weekend in Jacksonville all right so now we're going to move into the topic that we all can discuss football so it's it's been an interesting first two weeks we only had one game in week one and then last week we had a few surprises so who wants to take this take the lead on the first one I will okay so I mean obviously we had the big announcement a couple weeks ago that the ASOM was going to sponsor football. We already kind of knew because I don't think UCA really kept it a secret that uh, we were moving to the ASOM. Um, but then we kind of got some answers yesterday um, as far as some details on what's going on um, as far as conference affiliations in the, the near future. And um, we got to we found out that there's a new – uh, conference for the 2021 season that we didn't even know was going to exist, and I'm going to go ahead and coin it the Wax Sun. Um, that's my that's my name for the year. Um, but they're they're actually calling it the AQ7. Um, it's going to be UCA, Jacksonville State, Eastern Kentucky, Abilene, Sam Houston, SFA, and Lamar. And so uh, I I'd, I'd like to know what you guys what do you guys think about as far as how good of a conference that's going to be straight off the bat because in my opinion I mean I think it's the I think you could put it in the as the fourth best conference in FCS at least right I, now I was going to say I love the wax on an acronym acronym and uh, I mean honestly maybe we just don't even continue with the the full whack picture and the full A sign let's just make this the conference this would be absolutely solid and the way the CAA is kind of trending could easily be the third best conference. But no, I agree. I think for a year, this is absolutely 
going to be a really fun conference to watch with some more unique matchups we haven't seen. So um, I'm all about it, but definitely wax on over AQ7. Absolutely. I agree. Um, it's There was a lot of talk in the press conference of just the excitement from all of the ADs and coaches that were there, and they pretty much just hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's exciting. You're bringing in fresh new teams because for JSU and EKU, you're so used to playing the OVC teams and pretty much playing the same type of competition in out-of-conference or playing a ton of FBS games. And I'm sure the same goes for Central Arkansas and the other uh, schools that joined the WAC from the Southland. So you're just getting brand new faces. You're igniting some old Southland rivalries when JSU was in the Southland. Um, so I, it's exciting. I, I'm very excited for the fall um, for the AQ7. It's going to be a really fun conference. One thing stuck out yesterday, um, the Eastern Kentucky head coach was talking about um, it, they didn't play any Ohio Valley schools in the fall. You know, we played Eastern Kentucky twice. We played in Richmond once, and then we they came down to Conway. And I, it was the same thing around UCA football for the fall. It was it was really cool to not have to play the same old same old Southland schools. Um, we didn't have to go to Sam Houston. We didn't have to go to Nacogdoches. We didn't have to we didn't have to play the teams we were used to playing. It was almost a breath of fresh air. And um, I think with this conference being a little smaller too. Looking forward to 2022, if if there are six members, um, that leaves room to not have to play, you know, ten conference games or eleven conference or nine conference games. Sorry, because um, that's what we were doing in the Southland here lately. Is if it was an eleven game season for the FCS, we were playing nine conference games and two out of conference, and so it's kind of a it's a breath of fresh air to get to play different people, and it's a little more exciting. There's a lot more um, interest around uh, the games when it's against when you're getting to play people that. Uh, your fans have heard of. Um, I don't want to name names, but it's going to be cool to be able to go to Jacksonville State or to North Alabama um, because people know those names as opposed to, you know, some of the places we've been playing. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. Um, getting off of the A-Sun stuff real quick, we had an interesting first two weeks to FCS football. So UCA is not playing in the fall. EKU is not playing in the fall, but JSU is, as well as some spring. other team. Spring, yeah, my bad. Uh, y'all knew what I what I meant. Um, but we had some really good games, especially in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, I don't know if y'all watched any of the games, but I watched the Southern Illinois and North Dakota State game, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I was surprised at both teams. Negatively in a way for Southern Illinois and positively for North Dakota. Like, this is their first game in a much tougher conference than the Big Sky. Sorry, Chris. Um, so, I, I think it's, I think how they performed against Southern Illinois, who in my mind now is overrated, they just impressed the dog out of me. Like, completely took it to Southern Illinois. Yeah, I think looking at it, uh, I, I think Kyler and I have talked about this a lunch. Um, 
the North Dakota was at a very big disadvantage in the big sky being kind of the team that was way out there. So every single time they traveled, they were changing time zones. You know, they're going from flatter prairies of North Dakota up to, you know, mile high in Greeley and Flagstaff. And you're going from domes to snow. And I think, I mean, not that there's not snow in the Missouri Valley, but they're officially every game being a flight to every game being a bus. I think um, though Missouri Valley has North Dakota State and South Dakota State in it, I actually think the big sky top to bottom is a tougher conference, especially when you pair that with the travel that they had to do. I think now that they have less, they have to focus on travel, more regional games. I think North Dakota is actually going to prove that they're going to be a power in the Missouri Valley where they were kind of a middle of the pack in the big sky. And that has more to do with just the way they're able to prep now compared to when, you know, they're just flying four hours across country to Flagstaff to play in elevation. Um, That's just not something they have to deal with anymore or going all the way to the West coast to play UC Davis in November. And it's still 73 degrees. So I think all in all, you're going to see North Dakota. I agree. It was was an impressive win. I think it goes to show that Southern Illinois maybe had been a little too high. But, um, yeah, no, I thought the North Dakota game was good. I also got a hold uh, or watched the Wofford game. I watched North Dakota State game. Obviously, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa, and then even McNeese-Tarleton. Like, we had an absolute loaded first couple games, and it's just a shame that none of them were on, you know, network TV. Yeah, there there were a lot of people on the page that were complaining about that, and I'm just sitting here in my room, like watching it on ESPN Plus, and I'm like, I feel sorry for y'all, but at the same time, like I'm happy right now because I'm watching college football. Um, but you you mentioned a lot of really good games. One team in particular, Tarleton, Tarleton State, they be they took McNeese to double overtime two weeks ago. Yes. Two weeks ago, and just recently, this past Sunday, completely demolished. Now, granted, they're a bad FBS team, but they completely demolished an FBS team in their first year as a Division One program. Yeah, I my my pump the brakes on the Tarleton would be as a uh, Idaho and no New Mexico State are got this weird star-crossed lovers thing going, where we both have been in the Sun Belt twice. Uh, you know, we were the independents left out when the whack folded. I love myself the Red Aggies down there in La Crucius. But uh, one thing that I think gets overlooked in that, yes, Tarleton State was short a bunch of players, but New Mexico State has had a lot of turmoil in the program. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's just to be waved over. But this, in, in essence, for them is a spring game. Their players, you could just tell from the jump, had zero energy, where Tarleton viewed this as like, we just went to double overtime with – possibly a top 25 FCS team. Now we've got an FBS team. I mean, New Mexico State can't even play right now in La Crucius. They're playing 40 miles away in UTEP. So I I just think that program right now is just not in a spot to be playing spring games. I'm confused why they even accepted these things. And I expect this week Dixie State to also be able to have a really good run at them because they're playing uh, the the Aggies this weekend. But I'll just say the Tarleton State thing, they do look good. Their result against McNeese stands. But they, them absolutely butt-kicking New Mexico State. I was going to say pump the brakes on that. Pump the brakes on New Mexico State to the FB, FCS because we, we've had New Mexico State people on our show a bunch. They have zero history in the FCS. They've never been in an FCS or 1AA program. So even though they only have like one winning season in the last 50 years, they strictly view it as 
a way to stay on the same playing field as New Mexico and UTEP. And so they would rather have their basketball program keep getting the bid out of the whack and just have football exist so they can market themselves as equal to UTEP and New Mexico. There is no talks from the New Mexico State Aggies to make the drop to the FCS, which was different for Idaho because Idaho had a rich history in the big sky and the FCS. And that's why like, when people are like, is New Mexico State the next Idaho? I'm like, they're not. And that's the one thing I'll, I will get out of the way for all the Aggies out there that are probably tired of hearing they're going to the FCS. Yeah, I, I mean, their talent level, I mean, just seeing them play the past few years, I think they should drop. But I understand Oh, they're bad. They don't. They're, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand why they don't because of um, being on the same playing field as New Mexico, which is a huge in-state rival from what I understand, as well as keeping that rivalry with UTEP and focusing more on their basketball program, competing in the WAC and getting that bid so i i understand it but at the same time like you have to look at how they've been playing um but i i'm like you i don't i don't think they will drop should they drop yes are they gonna drop probably not so, exactly that's not- the best way to do it should and will are the different things here <laughs> here's, i mean here's the deal new mexico state is just the western most vanderbilt to me you know, they, they're not a football school. Now, yes, Vanderbilt's really good at baseball. But would the SEC keep Vanderbilt around if it wasn't for baseball? Probably not. Should they – they're not a football school. They're really bad at football. When you watch them play, it's really bad. But they, like like he said, they're not going to move down. Um, they're going to stay there, and they fit in the niche. They're a basketball school. They're going to continue to uh, compete in the whack. So, yeah, I agree. They're just really bad. Yeah. Um, right quick before we get back into the un- a sun segment, um, just to remind everybody, JSU does have a football game this this weekend in Jacksonville. Um, kickoff is at three. So if you are in town for the weekend for any of the other games happening in basketball, baseball, or softball, please stay in town and go to the Jacksonville State game on Sunday. Um, real, real quick for you, Brandon. Uh, Jacksonville State currently favored by 12 over and under 54 and a half. I don't know if you're a betting man, but as somebody who who's not super familiar with Tennessee Tech, know a little bit about Jacksonville State, I really think Jacksonville State giving 12, I like that spread. Am I crazy? No, um, just given the history against Tennessee Tech in football, um, that's not um, far-fetched. Um so I, I don't know. It, it may be different because Tennessee Tech did just move up into the rankings. Um, I see, I think they sit at twenty two or twenty three. So I, this is a must win for JSU's resume right now. Now I know beating them will probably push them out of the top twenty five, uh, pushing Tennessee Tech out of the top twenty five. But this is a this could be a quality win for us, and no matter what kind of win it is, if it's a struggle win, if it's a blowout, if it's an average-type game, I mean, this is a quality win that JSU can pick up going into the playoffs. Or Chris, I'll take that 12 playoffs. points right now. Thank you. I was going to say, Brandon, you're not giving me any reassurance here. Thank you, Will. I'll take, I will take that 12. I watched Tennessee Tech and Austin P um, last weekend, and – 
granted, Austin P didn't, didn't look very good, but they've got some athletes. We played them in Montgomery in the fall, and they've got some athletes. And it, Tennessee Tech looks really bad. Now, both teams looked really bad, but, yeah, give me 12. Well, all right. So let's move into the A-Sun segment. So we did talk a little bit about it. The, the A-Sun and WAC have formed a challenge. It's called the A-Sun WAC Challenge. And they are going to be known as the AQ7. So, I'm going to start with the expansion in a different sport for the A-Sun. Because there is, it's going to come up later. So, in men's lacrosse, the A-Sun partners with the SOCON. The A-Sun has Utah, Air Force, Belmarin, uh, Cleveland State, Detroit Mercy, and Robert Morris. And then the SOCON has Hampton, High Point, Jacksonville, Mercer, Richmond, and VMI. There's a reason I brought that up. So, now let's move on to the football. So, looking at what was discussed in the press conference, there is something that they are, that the ASUN is trying to fill out paperwork for um, to have a multi-game series on a specific weekend and it's called the United Atlanta Classic. And they're trying to do it for, for this fall, but if not, definitely by 2022. So is that what we later found out was going to be the ASUN Big South Challenge? Uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the ASUN Big South Challenge because, you know, he mentioned that the ASUN Big South Challenge would be the last weekend of the year and that they would match those teams up during the season. Um, and so you wouldn't necessarily know who you were going to play um, until midway through the year, and then they would make those pairings. But um, So I don't necessarily think it's the same thing. I think they're both really cool, but I don't think that they're necessarily the same thing. I think that the the United Atlanta Classic, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it a tournament, but uh, whatever it is, that weekend of games would have to be already – scheduled before the season started so people could plan for it okay yeah i view this as like a what you see basketball preseason tournaments kind of be um yeah. like i want to use the tournament thing because it's probably going to be like you know this is the weekend uca jsu play each other and uh eastern kentucky plays lamar or not lamar uh kennesaw so it's like i think you're gonna have like a set day where the entire conference just plays in atlanta i'm assuming i haven't looked into it the ASUN's conference offices are probably Atlanta or the suburbs of it. So I think it's a cool idea that's not really ever been brought to football in any kind of sense of the you know the word. Where like uh, you've had teams like Illinois played some games at Soldier Field, right? Uh, the Washington State Cougars have played some games in Seattle at the Seahawks Stadium to like get to where their alumni bases are. And just if you watch the SEC, right, so much of it is resolved around Atlanta. And with the ace on starting to share a similar footprint to the SEC, I think that's where you're going to see that, you know, I'm not super familiar down there with the South and Southeast, but I feel like there is a huge alumni base for a lot of schools in Atlanta. So I think you're just giving people the option to like not have to make a huge weekend getaway, but still have a really cool weekend plan. And I actually think it'd be really cool to see more conferences do it. Like obviously the big sky can't do it. Cause like, we don't really have a central big city other than maybe like Salt Lake, but it's not a huge alumni base. But, you know, out in the East Coast where you guys have that, maybe the CAA does something in like Washington, D.C., um, the Missouri Valley does something in like 
Minnesota or Chicago or something like that. I, I just think they're they're such a cool it's such a cool idea. Um, I hope more conferences actually take a look at doing something similar. Yeah, I, now that y'all said that, I mean, I love this idea. I just it said a multi game series, so I didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, but yeah, if it's like the entire conference, or even if it's not, just the just so many games within Atlanta um, being played for the A Sun. I mean, it, I'd I'd go for that game. I go for that weekend. So I I like that idea. Um, like we said, uh, the A Sun Whack Challenge is for just the fall, this upcoming fall, and they'll be known as the AQ Seven. Um, Here's the um, here's some of the details about it. Team with the highest winning percentage among AQ7 teams gets the auto bid. So that's for the playoffs. So the team that has the highest winning percentage out of the entire challenge gets the auto bid. Uh, JSU will play Abilene Christian, Sam Houston, UCA, EKU, Lamar, and Stephen F. Austin. And UCA will play... Uh, Abilene Christian, Sam Houston, EKU, JSU, Lamar, Stephen F. Austin, and Tarleton. Now, Tarleton and Dixie State will not be um, included in this, right? That is correct. They're not eligible. Right. So, they are going to be playing a schedule, but they're, they, they aren't eligible for the AQ. So, out of that schedule, what do y'all think of the schedule? Like, what do you think of the setup of this challenge? I will say I feel like UCA got shorted just a little bit because let me pull up the schedule. We're traveling a lot, um, which we're going to travel a lot in the ASUN anyway. But um, we announced our schedule, and we have to go. We start off in Jonesboro and then Springfield, um, but then we have to travel to Abilene, which is a heck of a drive. It sucks. And then we have to make the trip to Jacksonville for Jacksonville State. I just didn't want to play in Jacksonville. I'd rather play that one in Conway. Um, we do get Eastern Kentucky at home. We have to go to Beaumont. We do get SFA at home, and then we have to go all the way to Tarleton. And so we basically drive to Abilene twice. Um, so I'm not exactly pumped. I think we got, as far as scheduling goes, it, you know, we're playing the same teams, but I think we kind of got shorted on where we have to go um, as far as travel goes. But I do think that straight out of it, I think the favorites to win it are still definitely UCA, Jacksonville State, or Sam Houston. Yeah, I agree. So JSU is um, actually hosting uh, Central Arkansas, EKU. Actually, no, we're traveling to EKU. We're hosting Stephen F. Austin, Evelyn Christian, and Central Arkansas. And then we have to travel to Sam Houston, EKU, and um, Lamar. So I think the farthest that we have to travel is Sam Houston, I would much rather host, like you said, you would want to host JSU in Conway. I would have much rather hosted Sam Houston and probably traveled to Stephen F. Austin instead of hosting them. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, it's a good schedule. We still have two spots open for um, out of conference. Um, so I'm hoping that we get that filled soon. Um to get a full release of a schedule. So I'm I'm very excited for the schedule for JSU. It's a lot tougher than what we've been playing the past five, six, seven years. Because um, we also have uh, UAB and Florida State next year. Um, 
Florida State being in Montgomery and obviously traveling to Tallahassee. Um, and then we host UNA, but a date has not been set for that game yet. So we we have nine games scheduled, one with a date not being decided yet, and um, the other two still to still to be determined. So I am very excited for JSU. Um, very excited for UCA. Um, I'm I'm excited for the three teams, the three A Sun teams that are participating because I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than in years past for the three. Yeah, and that's kind of my take on this whole thing is like I think Sam Houston or JSU kind of have the setup for this to kind of work out in their favor, but at the same time we we kind of touched on it earlier in the show that like holy smokes these are some first time matchups. You know, some of these schools haven't played each other ever. Some haven't played each other in a really long time. Like. This could be totally one of those weird things where, like, a JSU actually pulls it out. Um, or, or uh, sorry, a Stephen F. Austin. Like, I think it's going to be so weird because it's just such a new matchup. And I just remember, like, when Idaho came back down to the big sky, like, playing some of these teams for the first time, it's just you had some wackier results. So I think it will be definitely fun to watch. Uh, but, yeah, your, your Sam Houston or JSU seem to be the teams I'll probably walk out of it. But it could be one of those things where you get a shocker, too. Yeah, it, it's going to be a dogfight, so I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, like I said before, there is a A-Sun Big South challenge in the works, um, and we actually do have a question about this that came today from Am- Amos F- uh, Fawcett. I think I pronounced that correctly. Amos Fawcett. He said, how do you think this will affect um, the playoff seedings um, if a team schedules two first-place teams? Um, I was thinking about this a little bit. So they were saying that this is going to probably be, as far as the A-Sun WAC deal, or no, A-Sun Big South, sorry, would be the last game of the year um, and that they would determine the matchups, you know, throughout the season. Um, If they did match up, say Jacksonville State was, you know, riding high, first place in the A-Sun, and um, take your pick on the Big South, say Charleston Southern's rolling in at number one, and they match them up. And they play each other because it's the last game of the year. I think it's got a little more effect than if it was early on. And the reason I say that is because the committee tends to do a lot of what have you done for me lately. Um, and I say that because last year we or two years ago, sorry, 2019, we went to Nichols and just got we got the brakes beat off of us. It was it was a bad day. Um, that game was awful. We got beat like 35 to. 10 or something I, it was we got blown out but then we ended up being the eight seed and Nichols wasn't seated um we ended up going you know same distance in the playoffs but I think the committee tends to look at you know UCA didn't lose another game besides southeastern Louisiana the rest of the year and Nichols was underperformed for the rest of the year um and so there's a little bit of what have you done for me lately and so it could have a big it could have a big um playoff implication if you know two number one teams get um put together and one wins you know you whoever loses might get knocked out of the um chance for a seed so that's definitely i think it could definitely affect it yeah i if lawrence uh because lawrence commented on this on the page um if he if if they do it the way that he said that the big 12 and sec do it wouldn't it be they judge the matchups 
midseason after this fall? Like from this fall, they would determine that, or would it be like later on? Would it be in the fall of twenty twenty two? I I'm not hundred percent sure, but it, I mean, it'd kind of be cool to do it for the current season. But I can definitely see doing it prior to the season starting, just so that everybody knows who they're gonna be playing. Yeah, um, kind of. Uh, JSU was kind of in a similar situation with uh with what you gave about Central Arkansas, um in twenty eighteen. It was a little different. Um, we actually lost to SEMO and lost to – I think that was the only one. Yeah, we lost to SEMO, and then we lost to North Carolina A&T um, going into the Kennesaw State game. And literally, we were, we were a lock for the playoffs. So that game against Kennesaw State was to determine seeding. Um, so I think you could have a similar situation should the Big South have a really good team. Say, say North Carolina A&T is the favorite to win the Big South in 2022. And they are riding high. They Let's say they go undefeated. And they are ranked in the top ten. And you have another A-Sun team who is also ranked not far behind them, undefeated. I mean, you could possibly see um, that affect what seed they get. Um, Say you could, I mean, I don't think James Madison and North Dakota State or Weber are going to decline anytime soon. So that could possibly well be a battle for that fourth through sixth seed placement. Now, if it's a lot like JSU and KSU, then that could determine who gets a seed and who doesn't. So I, I think it's going to be really effective determining seedings and determining who gets a seed and who doesn't get a, get a seed. So, Chris, do you want to throw your two cents in there? Yeah, I, it's just – I mean, you guys have kind of hit all the major points. It's going to be interesting to see how it works um, because it hasn't really happened before so um as an outsider looking in i'm curious to see how it works and then maybe some other conferences can kind of adopt something similar but uh it's it'll be interesting (laughs) i think you'll see the whack and big sky do it before too long once those conferences are both once the wax on its feet and you know has operated for a few years i think you'll see the whack and the big sky start something similar yeah, I think the Big Sky is going to kind of dump the allegiance we have or alliance we have with the Missouri Valley. Um, not because it's not good, but we are doing it because geographically the closest conference to us, and that's no longer the case. The WAC will be by a lot. So I do think yeah. you're right that the, the WAC and Big Sky will probably start doing something. And then it's easier to kind of make that kind of competitive matchup based on position type deal go forward. Yeah, and and you have your um, what's the other one? The the HBCU conferences, MIAC and SWAC, they have a challenge. Yeah. So you have three challenges. I mean, would the Missouri Valley try to find another conference to have a challenge with? Probably. Uh, maybe what's left of the OVC. I I don't know. I guess that's kind of the hard part. Maybe. <clears throat> Excuse me, them and the CAA get something together? Who who knows? Yeah, it, it'll 
it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think this challenge overall um, is going to be, both of these challenges um, are going to be very um, interesting and very good for each conference. So um, now we're going to move into the expansion because um, there's been a lot of uh, buzz, not necessarily on social media, but a lot of just talk on the pages and a lot of discussion boards and of who is going to join next. Um, so the ASUN wants, to, their next step is to expand to 14. So they're going to add two more teams. Um, uh, and there was a lot of illusion during the press conference of like, hey, we do have interest. We're talking to schools, um, but we're not going to reveal them. So one comment that I found very interesting was in the AD segment of this um press conference unaad mark linder said uh that being surrounded by winners is going to be attractive and before that he said i'm going to say this without trying to give too much away and so did he allude to something like did he allude to possibilities of who would join i mean does that does that comment narrow down your um thinking of who could possibly be joining next i i have no idea to be honest um i mean i've got teams that i think are geographically fit but i don't know that they're going to be these huge names that people you know somebody on the page was talking about james madison and i was like i don't think they're going to leave the colonial but um if I had to pick somebody right now that I thought it was going to be, I would say either Austin P or Eastern Tennessee State. So, Chris? Yeah, see, and I think trying not to read too much into that, right? Like, um, it, it's – you got to try to sell it, right? At the end of the day, it's marketing. Um, you're not going to – even no matter who they add, they're not going to blatantly come out and say, yeah, we added two, three, two to three losers, right, just to round out the conference. They, they got to get the energy going, and then that way, like you said, it kind of makes it no matter who comes in, maybe you'll feel like a letdown, like, oh, well, it's not JMU, so it's not that big-time winner, but you're like, oh, but this school is a winner. So uh, I don't know if you want us to kind of go through who, who we kind of think are possible expansion teams or not. Um but I, I've got some ideas, but yeah, I think the, the winner comment is not trying not to give something away. It's just, I think that's just, you know, political marketing speech for like, just be, we're going to add somebody that fits our mold. And obviously everybody in that conference views themselves as a winner. I don't think anyone's going to say they're losers. So I, I think that's more the line that the guy was taught, the uh, commissioner was talking about. Yeah, um, we're going to, I'm going to read off a list um, of expansion, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, I know some people would have looked into that, the people that are very dedicated to figuring out who's going. Now, I am one of them, but I'm also a realist. Um, so there are certain teams that I have heard that I'm, like say let's take JMU for example would it be nice if they joined yeah do are they going to join probably not um but it'd be a nice addition to the A Sun so the criteria for for the 
for teams being added, what T- uh, Ted Gumbart, the commissioner of the ASUN, said, he said they are going to be big brands, a good geographical fit, and they are going to be public institutions. So, with the public institutions in mind, there have been some private schools mentioned, um, Elon, Sanford, and Belmont. So, you can already count those teams out. And there was a public institution that was brought up, Murray State, but I think Murray State is going to do whatever Belmont Belmont does. So, um, other possibilities, and we'll, we'll take this in small segments. Um, the first few teams... ETSU, UTC, Austin P, and SEMO. Those last two give UCA a travel partner. So, what are your thoughts on those teams? I can go quickly. Yeah, it's uh, so I, I get it. Um, it. My only thing with like SEMO and Austin P, really, um, they're the two that I think fit the conference footprint the most. Um, kind of, you know, get that Tennessee footprint. How I'm viewing the A-Sun, just to go into my general thought process on this, right? Like, it's its entire goal is to become a power conference, right? A hundred percent, like, it's what I've been saying since coming back to the FCS, that there needs to be a combo of, like, the Southland, the SoCon, and the Ohio Valley to make a power conference. And that's kind of what this is going to be. Now, I think with that, you have enough name brands in that footprint, and you look at the most successful FBS pro or conference in the SEC, you follow that footprint because a lot of these programs, you're going to be in there, right? Like Kennesaw State, you got your, your Georgia kind of covered. North Alabama, you got Auburn, Alabama, or Auburn and Alabama, Jacksonville State, Auburn, Alabama, Eastern Kentucky, you've got Kentucky, Central Arkansas, you got Arkansas. So, yeah, you've got Southeast Missouri, and that's Missouri. But I, I just think like with SEMO and like with Austin P kind of getting that Tennessee thing, I, I just think Austin P hasn't really been good since the 70s until recently. I just feel like a conference like this doesn't have to roll the dice on a, a team that's up and coming. I feel like they can get more established teams, which I'm sure we'll get to later. So if I was the A-Sun, I would pass on SEMO and Austin P. Okay. Uh, Will, you want to comment? Uh- that makes sense. I mean, um, I don't know. I I still think Austin P is is the move. Um, it gets you in to Tennessee. Um, I don't know that getting East Tennessee. I know their name was thrown out a little bit. I don't think getting East Tennessee has any advantage over getting Austin P. Um, but I do like what you said uh, comparing each school to the its SEC equivalent because. Um, our head coach at UCA, Coach Brown, he was talking yesterday, and he said, "You know, we're following the footprint of the SEC, and we're we're attempting to be the SEC of the F- of the FCS." And so, um, I, I still think Austin P is who it's going to be eventually. Um, but if they can go get somebody more established, then so be it. I just don't know who it would be. So, my question, to you guys, would be like, compared like Austin P, Semo, like what's What's the thought on Chattanooga? That gets you that Tennessee market. I mean, great facilities and, I mean, historically has been a better program than Austin P and SEMO. So that's where I'm at. I, I think if you want Tennessee, adding Chattanooga uh, it is good. I mean, UC Chattanooga, UTC Chattanooga was getting looked at by the Sun Belt for expansion a couple of years ago. And we've seen that the Sun Belt's had a pretty good eye about picking FCS talent with Appalachian State, 
Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern. I just I look at Chattanooga and go, that's your Tennessee right there. Why roll the dice on Austin P or East Tennessee State um, when you have Chattanooga, who's arguably the most historic program in Tennessee, just sitting there and a uh, easier commute for a team like a JSU. I and I see what you're saying, but at the same time, if you listen to the if you listen and read everything that the A-Sun has said, they they talk about being more looking more toward the future than the past. And I don't know if that goes into selecting somebody that's up and coming versus somebody that was in the past. But yeah, you're right. Chattanooga is definitely the the better of the Tennessee FCS programs, but if you're looking for an athletic department that's got a little more of a vision, I feel like Austin P's doing more right now with their athletic program than Chattanooga is. And being a little more visionary and proactive, um, it, that's the term that Coach Brown used yesterday, um, th- than Chattanooga is. I don't know that – yes, Chattanooga would be the better pro- the better historic program, but – I don't know. I, there's something about the ASUN, what they're doing right now. They're not doing anything historic right now. They're doing yeah. everything future, looking to the future. And that's just where I go back to like the, it was only five, six years ago where the Sun Belt thought they were, you know, an acceptable team for the Sun Belt expansion. So I'm like, right. if the Sun Belt thinks they're good enough, like if you're the ASUN, you got to go, well, this is an FBS conference that thought it was an FBS quality school and athletic department. And like I said, I agree, Austin he's on the upper and then if you're austin p you might be beneficial to have one of these conferences like be left in one of the shell of the conferences that will probably fill up with other teams and you can run it and kind of become uh, like a jsu is in the ohio valley that statistically like there hasn't been too much challenge for them so they've been able to really staple themselves as an fcs blue blood uh where in austin p an, an ambitious athletic department like that uh possibly chattanooga does get poached by the fbs here in a couple of years and then you have Austin P, who's even built themselves up even more as an easy plug-in. But I just think, like, if the Sun Belt, it was good enough for the Sun Belt, I think the ASM would be crazy right. to look at it. But I, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, this is all West Coast view on all this. I haven't been on the message boards and everything like that. So I'm giving you strictly my outside-looking-in opinion. And I just see, like, Chattanooga. And I'm like, to me, that's like a ding-ding, winner-winner chicken dinner. Yeah, uh, well, the the Chattanooga fans that I have – seen comment on some discussion boards they want to be in the same conference as jsu but then i look at other discussion boards and they say we're gonna do whatever etsu does because that's our bigger rival than jsu which i completely disagree with that because every time jsu and utc plays i mean it's a big game It, it doesn't matter how bad or how average or how good the teams are Everybody shows up for that game. It's a well-competitive game. I, I mean, I agree with Chris. UTC out of these four are is the um, choice in order to get into Tennessee. Now, would Austin P with how good they are becoming uh, be a good option? Yes, it, they would. But I think if you want to follow the SEC footprint, like Chris said, I think you're out of these two. Your best options are UTC and SEMO, um, but there are other options. Um, so we'll we'll get into that uh, right now. So I have a few D two teams um, listed. I have Valdosta State, West Florida, and University of Alabama in Huntsville. Now UAH is not a football playing school. They focus more on basketball, softball, baseball. 
their hockey team is Division One, but everything else is Division Two. Um, so, what are your thoughts on those three D two teams? I mean, for me, the obvious choice if you can get a non football playing school like that from the D two to make a jump up. Um, I know the A Sun has some other teams like Liberty. Sorry, I'm not totally familiar with everybody that's not playing football that's involved, but I know like we talked about in the Big Sky with trimming teams. Uh, the goal for football is is nine teams, right? And you have an eight-game conference schedule, three out of conference in a normal year, four not. Uh, so you want that, but then you need that even travel partners of 10, 12, 14 for uh, the Olympic sports. So that's where I think if you can maybe pick a, an ambitious D2 team that um, you know could fit the footprint well, I, I think you absolutely do it. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure you'd want to do anything for football-wise taking a D2 team up. I think if you're trying to be that power conference, there's, once again, no reason to roll a dice on on a lower team to maybe start football or bring their football program. Uh, you said it, established tradition or, you know, established teams, winners, and that fit the, the footprint. I, I just don't think any of those teams bring that as terms of football. Yeah, I don't think they're going to pick a D2 football playing school just because, um, like what you said, that they, they want more established schools. And you're already kind of taking a chance with North Alabama uh, only being Division One here for a couple of years, uh, which they were always, you know, stellar at the Division Two level. And so I don't have any doubt that they're going to, you know, the, they're going to get traction in Division One. But I don't think you have to take that chance um, with – anybody else now if you can but for olympic sports yeah i think that's a, you know it's not a bad idea at all yeah uah is a basketball team baseball team and softball team now grant all three of these come from the same conference in division two they're they're all three in the gulf south which is a perennial division two conference power um so i, I think if I agree with y'all. I think if we were to add anybody from D2, it would be a non-football school. And to me, UAH is the better option. Um, I've only heard their name being brought up a few times. Um, but there are – I think if you were to add a D2 school, it would be UAH because I don't think there's any other D2 schools that don't play football that are close – in the A-Sun footprint, especially in, like, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia. So I think out of those three, your best option would be UAH. Now, our last two are um, – it gives Liberty travel partners. Um, I have JMU. They've always been brought up. It gives Liberty a travel partner in every sport. Um, and then I have Richmond. Uh, Richmond, it gives Liberty a travel partner, plus they are the only SoCon lacrosse associate that is a public institution. Now, only drawback is would Richmond leave the Atlantic 10 for from a basketball perspective? I'll go last on this one. Um, hold on. I'm going to look at a map real quick. Um... How far – which one's further east, Richmond or Harrisonburg? Richmond. Okay, yeah, but they're Richmond basically – Coastal. I don't know. Uh, it's – they're both further east as far as football goes. Um, 
Now, for Olympic sports, you know, the ASUN has a ton of schools on the East Coast, but I don't know that either one is close enough for football. I don't – and you were talking about Richmond leaving the A-10. A-10's a basketball power. And that's, you know, I I don't think either of them I, – I think if you're going to get somebody to move, it's going to be somebody from Tennessee or Southeast Missouri. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see them pulling – James Madison or, or Richmond, either one. Um, just because as a as the football conference, as the football side of the conference goes, those are bigger outliers than UCA. Um, so that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I guess. So my question for you, Brandon and um, Will, you know, outsider looking in here again, we, we've talked about it, right? I, I think the success of this conference is going to be follow suit what the SEC does. SEC is not in Virginia. Uh, that would be the ACC. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at McNeese and Nichols just lost half the Southland, you know, the Texas Southland teams. There's your LSU right there. I mean, Louisiana, a very football-rich state. Uh, I'm imagining down there you guys get a lot of recruits probably from the Louisiana area. Don't you want that option now where if you have McNeese and Nichols on opposite side schedules, you're hosting one one year and then you're playing at the other one the other year, so you helps you win recruiting saying you're going to get to play in front of these guys? I just, I just look at the two options in Louisiana and go, I mean, that, that to me seems like a no-brainer again. And then – I think if you want to get frisky once again, following kind of the the SEC footprint here, why not? You know, Jackson State or Jackson State right now with Neon Dion ambitious. You're seeing NCAT pull out of historically, you know, like the um, MIAC and the SWAC. Maybe with this Big South stuff with the NCAT, maybe you can get like a Jackson State to commit to this conference, and then you have your Egg Bowl kind of covered with your Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You got a team there, and then Florida A and M is a team that's kind of up on the rise, and then you got your North um, Florida team. And we already talked about how Atlanta is such an important part of this conference that you've got that team right there that's pulling like your Florida. I just like if you really want to get frisky and in like I said, you don't have to roll the dice, but if you did. Maybe go after like a FAMU and a Jackson State, uh, but I, I I'm looking at Nichols and McNeese and going to me those are absolute no brainers for the conference to add. Here's and and here's what I would would say to that. Um, when all the Southland turmoil went down, and if you haven't followed it, um, there's been a a little bit of drama from the Southland uh, athletic directors and presidents as far as the ones that are staying in the league. Um, at the beginning of all this, I said, go get McNeese and Southeastern. I said, you could keep Nichols, but take Southeastern and McNeese with you. Um, simply because it, if you go to their campuses, it's nicer than the Nichols. It's, it's on a different level, but, um, there was a little, there was a little bit of resentment from the Louisiana schools that are going to stay in the Southland as, uh, towards the Texas schools and towards UCA when they left. And, I don't remember if it was from the Southeastern or the McNeese athletic director, but if I remember right, it said, uh, let the ones that want to stay, stay. We can operate without. It, it, it was, there was a little bit of spite. And so I don't think that's realistic to go get those schools because, you know, they've been in the Southland forever. But then again, so have Sam and SFA. But um, at the beginning of this, I said, go get 
McNeese and go get Southeastern. But after everything went down, when UCA like officially announced and then the WAC schools officially announced, when all the press conferences and the press releases came out from the um, Louisiana schools, I was like, okay, so we're not getting any of them because they clearly they, they love the Southland and they want to stay there. Um, but, yeah, it, it would be cool if we could do it, but I, I don't think that the schools have entertained the idea at all. Yeah, because I see, like, you just look at what's going to be left, right? Like, Northwestern State, yes, that's Louisiana. Like, in my opinion, like, you're not taking CELA, but, you know, you could take CELA. I just look, like, you're missing all your heavy hitters now. Central Arkansas, gone. Easy game for all those people to get to, right? Arkansas, just boom, north, you're there. Conway, Abilene Christian is gone, but that's okay. But I just, like, I'm looking, you lost to Texas schools, the Southland, I know people hate to hear it. I feel like it's in a real, real rough spot right now. And I think if you're a marquee program that's had success, especially McNeese, who back in the 90s was an absolute like wrecking ball in the FCS playoffs, oh, wow. like, you, you just got to look at – you're building a power conference here. This isn't the Southland that was kind of flirting and competing with the SoCon and the Ohio Valley for – eyeballs and national attention like you hit your wagon to this it is a power four conference no questions asked if you can get a mcneese and a Nichols, or i'll even give you if you can get southeastern louisiana i just for me that is the obvious choice is, is trying to pick one of those schools and i don't know how much courting it's going to take but i just think you gotta make those calls until it happens uh just like the whack is still calling weber right weber yeah. keeps calling the whack no but at the end of the day, they got to. They got Southern Utah and Dixie. It makes absolute and uh, Utah Valley in basketball. Like it makes absolute sense for them to try to keep calling Weber. I think if you're the A Sun, you got to keep calling these schools and just say, what is it going to take to bring you guys here? Because then this is an FCS conference to be reckoned with. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I, I think if you were to go after anybody in the Southland, it would be McNeese for all the reasons that y'all said. Um, but I don't think anybody from the Louisiana schools in the Southland is going to consider leaving until the Southland is more stable with uh, teams that they bring in. Um, as far as like the Florida footprint, uh, I just don't see uh, FAMU leaving anytime soon. Um, even though they want to be FBS, even though they failed their first time trying to be an FBS independent. Um, I, I just don't see anybody from Florida joining the A-Sun for football. Um, as for Jackson State, honestly, they are the best option if you want to get into Mississippi. Um, but I don't think they're going to leave anytime soon. Uh my next question is, do you try to get into the Texas footprint for that Texas A&M type team um, if you're following the SEC footprint? Only if you can puck McNeese. I think you have to have a Louisiana school to what kind of create. If you could have Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, not that bad, right? And then you overskip in Mississippi, so you kind of have your east-west without it being official. But if you're just going to skip on – Louisiana schools altogether are not able to snag one, then I think you got to avoid Texas. You're just, you're making too big of a footprint at that point. Yeah. And I don't know who else you want out of Texas. Um, that's not, that's not already made a move to the whack in, you know, the last two months. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, 
what we've discussed, I think you need to get into Missouri. I think you need to get into Tennessee. Um, you're not going to get into Florida. I, I just don't see that happening unless you call West Florida, which that could possibly be down the line. Um, and then Jackson State possibly making the, the move today, son, and getting into Mississippi. Um, so, yeah, I, there's there's a lot of potential. Like Kyler has always said, there's a lot of potential with this um, conference to become a power conference. Um, it just depends on who they end up getting for football. So I guess what we'll have to do, it's a waiting game now. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, so I, it, I'm excited, but at the same time, it's in a position where you're just like, you have all these names and you're trying to figure out who goes and it just gets really frustrating um, because you don't have answers. Um, so, all right. So we are in our last segment. We're going to do predictions. We always do predictions if uh, games are going on. So we're going to do predictions of big FCS games this week. And I have UNI and Youngstown State, Wofford and Chattanooga, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, uh, Eastern Washington, and Chris's Idaho Vandals, and then Jacksonville State versus Tennessee Tech. So let, let's look at UNI and Youngstown State. So what are your thoughts on this game? Chris, I, oh, go ahead, Will. No, I was going to say, Chris, you can go ahead first. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to say I think Youngstown uh, did surprisingly well against North Dakota State, which shocks a lot of people. But at the end of the day, their offense just looks terrible. And I'm not sure North Dakota State's defense is quite what it was when you had like Jabril Cox and everybody. So uh, I think Youngstown State, while improving, is not quite there yet. They have no continuity on offense. So I, I'm taking you and I on this, who just lost with 10 seconds left against South Dakota State, who I have as my number one team in the country. So I'm taking you and I. I uh, See, I, I look at things against the spread a little bit, and Northern Iowa is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so I'm going to take Youngstown to cover, but Northern Iowa to win. Um, I think it'll be close just because Northern Iowa's offensive line didn't look very good. That quarterback was running for his life the entire game against South Dakota State, which – Yes, yeah, South Coast State's defense was very good, but um, I, I don't know. I, I'd i like to see him against somebody like Youngstown that's not um, as good as South Dakota State, so we'll see. But I'm taking Northern Iowa to win. Yeah, I'm going to take Northern Iowa to win as well. I think it's going to be a little more than six and a half. Um, I, I think you and I will definitely cover. Um, I, I, I'll say you and I by anywhere from 10 to 14 points. Um, so you and I all the way. So next game, Wofford, uh, Chattanooga thoughts on that game. For how much I talked up Chattanooga, uh, Wofford looked pretty good last week. So I'll, I'll feel confident saying Wofford. Yeah. Wofford. I'm going to be the outlier and I'm going to say UTC is going to beat Wofford. I, I just have a good feeling about UTC this year. Um, so we'll see what happens, I, but I have Chattanooga beating Wofford. Um, all right, South Dakota State, UND, the two teams that really, well, one team that impressed us and one team that proved why they are a top two team. So thoughts on uh, South Dakota State, North Dakota? Uh, 
I think people are going to be shocked how close North Dakota hangs in this one, but I think South Dakota State wins it. It might be one of those games where if you don't watch it, the scoreline's kind of deceiving for how close it was because I could see this being like a 10 to 11 point win, but really like, you know, South Dakota State milking six minutes at the end and kicking a field goal or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think I gave North Dakota the 10 spot in my poll almost as a joke because I don't know who deserved to be there, but um, yeah, I think it'll be close. I think it could end up being, uh, I think South Coast State wins by two scores, but I think that the game itself, yeah, it'll be close. But yeah, South Coast State. I agree. South Dakota State by, by 10. Um, but I think we're all going to be very surprised at what North Dakota does this, uh, this season in the spring. All right. The next for for JSU for this podcast, uh, the next to the next biggest game, uh, in my opinion, because um, always JSU games are big on this podcast. Eastern Washington versus Idaho. So, uh, let's give Chris the lead on this one since it since it involves his team. I would actually love to hear what you guys have to say first. I've already talked about this game three times this week, so I, I could use some new ideas to bounce off of. <laughs> you know, I I am way more familiar with southeastern football than I am uh, like Big Sky Ball, but I have proclaimed myself an Eastern Washington fan for the spring, um, only because Kelsey told me she'd send me something to wear for the games. But um, I Idaho, when I watched them last last, I guess in 2019, it was like watching. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't understand the high. I, I don't think this game will be any closer than 14 points. I think Eastern Washington wins. I think Eric, Eric Berrier is an absolute animal. Um, but so I, give me Eastern Washington by 14. But, and that's probably a popular pick. I don't know. Um, I hope Idaho is decent, but I think Eastern Washington by 14. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I agree with everything that Will said, but. I think it's going to be um, a lot closer than what people think um, from what I have read on Hero Sports or heard from Chris from Hero Sports, uh, seeing what Sam has to say about them, um, about Idaho. I, I just think Idaho is going to surprise a bunch of people this year, um, especially with them being ranked in the top 25 in one of the bigger FCS polls. I mean, I was shocked at that. It made me really think about what Idaho might have to offer this year. So I'm actually going to pick the Vandals by three. Yeah, so I'll try to keep this short and sweet. Anybody that wants a really in-depth breakdown, Tubs of the Club, uh, give it a listen. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, Idaho beat Eastern Washington last year, 35-27. to 27. The game was actually 28 yep. With 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, Eric Berrier was held to 20 yards of total offense going in the halftime. Idaho has probably the best overall front seven in the entire FCS. Um, so that's what it is. It's just coming down to the defense. Good news is if Eastern's any smarter than last year where they tried to run the ball the entire first half and got nowhere, and then in the second half in the fourth quarter learned that, oh, our secondary is kind of a weak point, this game could definitely go Eastern Washington's way. 
Uh, the biggest difference for Idaho compared to what most FCS fans are used to. And, you know, Will, you're playing football. You, you, you've used to such a situation. We had the coach's kid who's about 5'10", 190 pounds, playing quarterback the last two years, couldn't get the ball 20 yards downfield. Now we have uh, Mike Beaudry, who actually is West Florida's quarterback. We took them to the national title game in their second or third year in existence. So we've got a big-armed 6'5", 250-pound quarterback now. It's just going to come down to whether Paul Petrino gets too cocky and tries to just throw the ball all around the yard because according to this, the spokesman reviews, two deeps on this game, uh, Eastern Washington plans to be running a lot of four-two-five, which when we have a 6'1", 240-pound running back in our run-first offense typically, not really a good defensive scheme to try to stop that. So it's just going to come down to egos, whether Eastern Washington tries to run the ball when they obviously are better set to be passing it and whether Idaho tries to show off their new quarterback weapon when it's obvious that they should be running the ball. Uh, my prediction on that, I think Idaho actually sneaks it out, and I'm actually picking a double-digit win on this one, um, but I would totally not be surprised if it goes the other way either. Okay. Nice. All right, so the final game, the game of the week for Cocky Nation, Jacksonville State versus newly ranked Tennessee Tech. Um how about both of y'all take this first? I think Tennessee Tech being ranked is a joke, and Jacksonville State wins by 17. Yeah, JSU, uh, if they play anything like they played in the fall, I think could win this by 20-plus. So um, I know Tennessee Tech, they look good against Austin P, but then again, Austin P is now, what, 0-5? So if you count the fall. So he gave his FBS and everything, but, I mean, I, it's – in. It seems too easy, but I'm not going to try to overthink this, JSU. Um, yeah, I think JSU is going to handle Tennessee Tech pretty well, anywhere from 14 to 17 points. Um, I think the biggest thing, because we had a lot of issues at quarterback last year with Derek Cooper making poor decisions, and that's some of the games that cost us uh, um, a win and others it just kept the the score really close um i think this year with zion or this spring with zion webb at quarterback i think it's going to be a lot better offense um so you could definitely see jsu win by 14 plus points so i'm going to take jsu by at least 14 i want to go back to the north dakota south dakota state game and just to be a contrary I'm going to pick North Dakota to win. I don't necessarily think it'll happen, but I'm going to pick. Just so when it happens, I can go back and play this recording over and put it on Facebook. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so we have wrapped up everything. Chris, do you want to plug your um, podcast and your show real quick? Yeah, so you can find me. Uh, I, I'm Chris Hammond. It's Chris underscore p underscore hammond on the twitters but our show is called tubs at the club that's the vandal specific podcast on the big sky podcast network and then also on sundays i'm doing a little top 25 a little short recap there for fcs fans nation so if you want the whole top 25 come check me out on on sunday evenings uh, if you just are curious on idaho and the big sky our podcasts are live tuesday on youtube and then on podcast forum thursday mornings so we announced that we had a special announcement. Um, Will and I have been talking back and forth about possibly doing this ever since 
um, the move of JSU and Central Arkansas to the mm-hmm. A-Sun. And we are in the works of possibly starting an A-Sun podcast. So we will have something similar to what the uh, Big Sky Sports Network has um, or a podcast network, whatever Chris just said. Um, so it will be a lot like that. Um, we are looking for at least one more person. We would prefer two. Um, so if you are interested, please uh, message me on Facebook, message Will on Facebook. Um, just message us, tell us you're interested, and we'll see what we can work out. Um, before we go officially, um, it was nice having both of y'all on. Uh, this needed to be talked about, so thank you both for joining. Um, and you can find Cocky Nation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, on Facebook, we are. You can look up Cocky Nation, a JSU podcast, and we are. Uh, our handle on Instagram and Twitter is at Cocky Nation underscore Nation. So again, thank you both for joining. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm always happy when I can get off my West Coast bias and get to talk a little. A little, you know, west of Utah in terms of football, or sorry, east of football, east of Utah. Jeez, <laughs> West Coast bias. Yeah, and I guess the next time I'll, or I guess the only time I'll probably meet you this year is um, Frisco, in Frisco. Baby. So I'm excited for that. So you, Cocky Nation, will be in Frisco this year. Um, so be on the lookout for all of, all of the information, uh, dealing with that come this, uh, summer. Um, even if I do a, an episode recapping my trip to Fresco. Um, but anyways, thank y'all for joining and I hope y'all find this podcast very informational and, um, hope you enjoy it before all of the crazy craziness of the athletics at JSU this weekend. So Thank you for joining, and go Gamecocks, fear the beak.